0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include delinquencies, foreclosures, and servicing rights, my interview with Luca Dahlhausen and Mark McLaughlin on the interaction between brokers, real estate agents, lenders, and technology, and why mortgage rates are back to levels not seen since last fall. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Agile bringing the mortgage capital markets into a new digital era. From lenders to dealers, Agile is the new way to quote MBS. Learn more at trade-agile.com. The MBA Servicing Conference is taking place, and it's an important subject, along with the impact of the 30 basis point cut and mortgage insurance premium for FHA borrowers. Owning servicing rights certainly helped the bottom lines for many lenders last year and Someone say it save their bacon. There are always those warning us of impending doom and gloom scenarios regarding the trillions of mortgages outstanding. But really, come on. <laughs> we may see an uptick in delinquencies and foreclosures, possibly because the numbers are so low now, there's nowhere to go but up. Borrowers have outstanding credit quality and huge amounts of equity. And investors in the government offer many loss mitigation options. The industry has other things to worry about. Meanwhile, owners of mortgage servicing rights continue to sell packages, large and small, for various reasons, not the least of which is to raise cash. For the uninitiated who'd like to know exactly what a servicing package looks like, two that just popped up yesterday were a $596 million pool offered by MIAC and a $2 billion government bulk servicing rights offering from Phoenix Capital Inc. from a well-capitalized seller. You can find those links on robchrisman.com, along with the latest jobs lender and broker services and products, and non-agency DSCR and non-QM soundbites. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Luca Dahlhausen and Mark McLaughlin to talk about the interaction between brokers, real estate agents, lenders, and technology. It's a nebulous world out there, but companies like Realfinity that Luca works for are helping bridge the gap and improve communication between these entities ultimately helping the borrower experience. All right, Mark, let's start with you. Can you give us a primer on the real estate data landscape?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'll take you back to 2019 when there's two uh, phenomena that really became pronounced within the industry. And the first would be the inertia of the financial institutions or the mortgage lenders really starting to go consumer direct. And it had been that, you know, the real estate brokerage operation in the United States was sort of the furthest most upstream in a transaction. And therefore the lenders would come to the real estate brokers to try and access the consumer. So I begin to see that phenomena start in 2019. You combine that with, I believe that from uh, 2019 to the end of 23, 22, there was well north of $30 billion worth of venture capital money invested into prop tech firms across 275 different companies. And that, you know, capital inertia combined with the inertia of the consumer direct from the mortgage lenders has started to really change the dynamics in the business. And all of that capital is directed first at reducing the friction in a real estate transaction. Um, meaning, let's just substitute paperwork for friction and title and mortgage and everything like that. And if if we can't eliminate the friction, friction, the lack of friction would add velocity to a transaction. Adding velocity to a transaction would create the asset class to be a little bit more liquid, which it really isn't today. And if the asset class had more liquidity, that would in turn create value. So those two phenomenas are something that I've definitely been been keeping my eyes on.
0: Well, how would you categorize the current interface between brokers, real estate agents, lenders, and technology?
1: So the, the interface, if you're if, if you're talking about culturally, like how do deals happen, um, or if you're talking about interface being technology, they're they're very different. It's it's not new at all that. The real estate brokerage companies, lenders, title, escrow, all the different people that are involved in the, in the closing table. It's not new that they're collaborating. That's been going on for decades. What's new is all of this technology that is going to try and elegantly stitch these activities together for the consumer. Because most consumers will say the experience of particularly buying a home more than selling a home is not the most fluid or elegant. And so I think that that's where all of this capital and inertia is going, is to try to make that experience um, so much more elegant for the consumer.
0: Maybe a better way to ask it would be what are the current integration points between lenders and real estate
1: companies? Well, there are several now. apps uh, that lenders provide i mean rocket has probably led um the adventure of giving the consumer all that information um in their at their fingertips but there are several initiatives now that are, are doing the same thing and again that technology is elegantly stitching together the collaboration that has always been there
0: but how does it improve? Where does it go from here? How does it evolve? How do we actually get you know more liquidity in the space or the cost to originate a mortgage down?
1: From my lens, um, the industry is moving towards, um, and Luca will talk more about this later, um, it's moving towards managing the consumer or the family or whatever it might be through their entire life cycle or managing the asset, meaning the real estate, through that, that entire life cycle. And if you think about our conventional experience that a consumer has, you know, at closing, the broker and the loan officer, congratulations, maybe even a closing gift and sort of a disengagement from the consumer. And this phenomenon that we're seeing now is, no, we're going to follow that consumer Uh, Luca will have great examples about this through the life cycle of that asset or the life cycle of that family.
0: Yeah, Luca, maybe now is a good time to bring you in. What are you working on over there at Realfinity?
2: Our vision is all about delivering property data and mortgage products to both home buyers and homeowners throughout the entire real estate life cycle. Um, And like Mark mentioned, right, that starts really at when they're shopping for the house and, and it goes as far to as these people have been owning their home for, for you know many, many years and are now looking for a platform you know, to, to manage that asset, right? Um when you look at you know the cost that you just referred to in terms of the cost um of a mortgage, right? You you have a bunch of players that are going direct to consumer, like Mark mentioned. Um we all know them, the Zillows, the Realtor.coms, um, you know, the Rockets, et cetera, et cetera, right? They obviously have a certain cost to acquire that customer um, in order for him to to land on their their platform. Um, When you look at our clients, um, our approach is a little bit different. We have B2B clients, which are both lenders and real estate uh, companies, who receive our platform as a white-labeled solution, right? Realfinity is just empowering them with, with our platform, and which ultimately allows them to put that app that Mark was referring to into the hands of a homeowner um, and a home buyer. Again, the app then allows that homeowner to you know, monitor property data and mortgage products in relation to that stitching elegantly together what has always been there, mortgage and real estate.
0: But can you also explain why an app is so important for real estate companies and lenders and and how it'll help them?
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the hard facts, you know, residential real estate um, at $33 billion is, um, you know, one of the largest asset classes in the US. And on an individual level, it remains largely unmanaged. We all know it, right? We live and breathe this day in, day out. But we all have friends that own homes that have no idea of, you know what their equity versus debt position is, what current rates are doing, you know what potential they might have with the equity that they hold in their home. Th- these are all like you know topics that are really, really far away from what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And if you look at you know history um, and other asset classes, you can see a very, very similar phenomenon. Um, you can see that back in the day, right stocks you would have to call your stock broker, um, you know, to get current, um, you know, current trading. Um, and you would have to then, you know, place an order. We now all manage our stocks day in, day out through different various portals. We believe that it is not a question if the consumer will get an app um, or to manage his real estate asset. No, the question is simply when will the consumer get that app? And, um we believe that the app is either coming from one of the big people that we've referred to, you know, earlier um, in this conversation, who have already, you know, done tremendous work in, um, you know, again providing platforms like this to their consumer, or if it comes from um, one of the existing parties that these people have transacted with, which are our B two B clients, the lender or the real estate broker. So it's really not a matter. If they receive it, it's a matter when they will receive that platform, because it has happened on other asset classes. And, you know, this is clearly a gap in the market.
1: And I'll I'll add to that uh, what Lucas shared, Robbie, in that one thing that the loan officer and the real estate professional own today that is highly valued and chased by everybody in the financial services business is they own the trust of their clients. And, and trust is a loyalty card that is given out by a consumer to either a loan officer or a real estate professional. And only the consumer can take that card back. So one of the, the sort of the carrot and the stick here is that if you have this trusted relationship with a client, whether you're a loan officer or a real estate professional, they are going to get an app from someone to manage their real estate assets. Why wouldn't it be you? Why wouldn't the loan officer or the real estate professional be proactive in delivering an app to their clients so that really no one else can? Because a consumer is not going to have three different apps to manage their single home asset. And all that consumer direct nature that I shared earlier of the movements by the, the financial institutions, the insurance companies, the title companies, all that consumer direct is focused on gaining that loyalty card of trust from the consumer. So from a carrot basis, empower the consumer with information from your mortgage bank or mortgage brokerage or real estate brokerage. But that's the carrot. The stick is if you don't do it, someone else will.
0: So knowing that, Luca, I think it it bears asking you your own question, if it's not a matter of if, but when, when will adoption happen? What will it take for mass adoption to happen? Uh, is it as simple as as a someone coming out with the product and then everybody else follows or what do you you
2: see again like like you're saying right the current environment mark that you refer to um you know has certainly changed i think that everyone in this industry is recognizing that you know deals aren't falling from the sky anymore and you know overall for for innovation that's a great thing right every stakeholder within the transaction has to overthink their value proposition and their value add so we believe that you know timing to market is 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 very very good right now um i don't think that this is a winner takes it all market like mark mentioned um you know there's certainly going to be a certain component where people do not have many apps through which they are managing their asset Um, But, you know, we all know that there's different providers out there and, and there might be different applications out there. I can only talk to us very specifically on this. And like we've mentioned, we have a B2B2C approach. So our clients are, you know, enterprises that are either lenders or, you know, real estate brokers. And if you look at that approach, Um, you know, you obviously have a really scalable way to customer acquisition, which means that, you know, if you roll out to a big client, um, you ultimately get a big exposure to um, potential homeowners uh, through that channel. And we believe that whomever gets a critical size fast enough um, and whatever that critical size is, is something that, you know, I don't think anyone really has a good grasp on but um you know that player will obviously you know be able to build a really really healthy business around it and will ultimately you know set a certain standard for what homeowners and home buyers are expecting in terms of you know a platform where they can manage their home from a financial standpoint of view
1: i'll add to what lucas said in that the winners the victories are going to come from the um mortgage brokers and mortgage bankers and financial institutions who educate and empower their loan officers and their loan officers' relationships with real estate professionals to engage the consumer into this new trend, into this new direction. So the power will be in the distribution channels of these lenders and financial institutions, not just the consumer going to market and looking for what am I going to use? It's let's let's be proactive, you know, in 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 the trends that are happening in the business right now. If you think you're close to your clients, get closer. Like if you think you're close to your real your real estate professionals as a broker or your loan officers as a lender, get closer because it, it's just that trust, card, that loyalty um, it is really the the, the the end game.
0: Before I let you guys go, for people that are interested in reaching out or getting in touch, what are the uh, the best points of contact for uh, Realfinity?
2: Uh, you can always check out our website at realfinity.io. Um, we obviously um, have a you know section where you can contact us through that. But um, I'm all, always very accessible and available as well. Um, so, you know, Robbie, I'm sure you're going to um, link me here. I'm happy to get any direct inquiries as well. And we'll respond to those quickly as well.
0: Don't fight the Fed. More investors seem to be accepting that the Federal Reserve means what it says about rate hikes namely that there will be more for a while. Stocks and bonds both sold off yesterday as a result. On the data front, we learned that existing home sales decreased 0.7% in January to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $4 million. worse than expected. This marks the 12th consecutive month of contracting sales, and total sales in January were down 36.9% from a year ago due to high mortgage rates and economic uncertainty. It was just a couple weeks ago that many market participants were content with the economic data, 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 they thought was showing a gradual slowing of overall activity, even though inflation wasn't easing quite as fast as desired. In general, the aggressive tightening of monetary policy was having the intended effects, and there was a debate as to whether a soft landing was possible. Then last week happened. As many know, economic data, 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 Rarely moves in a straight line, consumer inflation posted its largest monthly increase since October while the year-over-year rate was marginally lower. Prices continue to climb at a rate that's well above the fed's target, and the resilient jobs market means that upwards price pressures will likely persist. Shoppers using income rather than savings will influence expectations of a pullback in spending later in the year. January's data has shipped to market expectations for monetary policy. Instead of pausing in March, the expected pause is currently following June's FOMC meeting, where the peak Fed funds rate is expected to reach 5.50%, implying three more 25 basis point rate hikes. Kicking off today's economic calendar, we learned that mortgage applications decreased 13.3% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association's Weekly Mortgage applications Survey. Mortgage rates increased across all loan types last week, with the 30-year fixed rate jumping 23 basis points to 6.62%, the highest rate since November 2022. Later this morning brings Redbook same-store sales, a treasury auction of $43 billion of five-year notes, remarks from New York Fed President Williams, and the minutes from the January 31st slash February 1st FOMC meeting. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth, the two-year at 4.66, and the 10-year yielding 3.92 after closing yesterday at 3.96%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Question. My child will not eat fish. What can I replace it with? Answer. A cat. Cats love fish. Ha, ha, (laughs) ha. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Agile, bringing the mortgage capital markets into a new digital era. From lenders to dealers, Agile is the new way to quote MBS. MBS. To learn more, visit trade-agile.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at robchristman.com. Visit robchristman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search "mortgage news" on any platform you get your podcast from.